We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello coaches, welcome back to another Modern Soccer Coach interview. Today we are joined by Kaike Andrade to talk about life at Flamengo, one of the biggest clubs in the world. He's going to talk about the development process there and also how analysis plays its part, what they're looking for in players, how they develop players, what that environment looks like. If you enjoy it, please give it a like and please make sure you subscribe. If you're looking for more coaching content, please check out all the new information over at modernsoccercoach.com. Really appreciate the support. Here is Kike. Enjoy. Kike, thank you so much for joining me today on the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. Hey Gary, I'm really excited to, to be here. It's still really early in, in the analysis world in terms of you know, five, ten years old. Um, you're, you're working at a big club right now and obviously Brazilian football, which we're going to get into, is everyone's so fascinated by it. Um, how, how have you got to that role? What, how would you... How would you describe your, your claim to this position? Yeah, sure. Uh, in my life, uh, I, ha- I spent a lot of time, a lot of years playing football, playing soccer, and also futsal uh, until when I was 18. I trained at the pros in a third division club in Brazil. And because of this, because of these injuries, I left football and I went to the university. I cursed two engineers, uh, environment engineering and product engineering, but only for a few months. And then I, I told my dad, dad, I need to, to get back to football. I'm going to the university to, to start my bachelor's in physical education in my hometown. I was a coach. And then I got my degree at 2017. And between my, this period, 2014 and 2017, I worked with badminton at Rio Olympic Games. I was a scout from Omega. I also have a tattoo right here. And when the people see my tattoo, they, they ask, wow, did you play at Olympic Games? No, I, I said, no, I worked there. I was a scout and also a badminton teacher, <laughs> football badminton, different sports. And uh, during the university, I, I did my first course at team analysis, but I, I never worked with this before. And I got my degree in 2017 and 2018, I went to my, my post-graduation in soccer at Federal University of Viçosa in Brazil. is a, a reference with Professor uh, Israel Teodo. And then in 2019, I went to Hong Kong as technical director at Ronaldo R9 Academy. Ronaldo, the, the famous striker. The legend. Famous Brazilian striker. He has... Uh, 
international franchises of football academies. So I went to Hong Kong to to be the technical director and also teach uh, kids and youngs between four and 14 years old all over Hong Kong. So the best experience in my life until now. And then I moved back to Brazil and trying to start my master's degree with individual analysis that I never worked at before. And then that's where I really started to work with individual analysis, match analysis, uh, training analysis, and then team analysis the, the completely. And then I fin I was almost finishing my master's uh, when Flamengos uh, called me. Uh, they said, oh, we have a, a job here as team analyst in U15s. So if you want to, to participate of our interview to join the club, you're invited. So I did there. Uh, on December 26th, I received the, they invited me to, to participate. And one week later, I was joining the club. My like a hurricane, I didn't expect that, but changed my life, and I'm really happy at Flamengo now. Fantastic! Wow, what a journey! Brazil has a reputation for so many years of producing attacking talent, exciting attacking talent. Even if the as the games changed, and it's become more structured and more more organized, maybe more methodical, Brazil still develops um, these attacking players. What are some things that that you think that are, are development keys um, in the clubs at youth level that, that's creating this? Sure. Great question. Uh, I'm also studying in my master's. So oh, wow. I, I love it to criticize it because in Brazil it's really common that uh, youth coaches treats our kids like mean adults, like robots. So we need to produce more players with autonomy to to solve the problems, solve the the situations. But sometimes the most of part of it that's that's not going to happen because of it kids need to play kids need to have fun uh, and the most important thing is we need to to have clear in our mind that uh, we need to develop them respecting their ages and their phase of this development but in few situations this not happening because results we need to win in most part of the clubs the coach needs to win to keep their jobs so sometimes develop if we develop maybe we don't win but if we win championships we can have some time and tell that we develop our kids. But the most part of it is kids when play street football, 
with no error saying that uh, what they need to do. They are freely to, to create, they are freely to, to play, to solve their problems. That's amazing. That's what they need to do, what they need to play around until they have 10 years old, 11 years old. And then when they, they are 12, 13, they can have some tactical principles, some tactical uh, trainments. I believe that that's the, the golden age of development. Until 11, they need to be freely to create, to solve their problems. So it's our job. We need to study and understand that because we are, we think that we are helping them, but we are not helping them. In Brazil, it doesn't feel as if it's, it feels as if that they're allowed to enjoy the game because they're playing on the streets. Whereas yeah. over here, they I don't know if they develop a love of the game because it's organized from their first experience. Right. Mm. Yeah, sure. I can say that they don't love the game. When it's organized, they can have a burnout with uh, 11 years old because of father's pressure, because of coaches pressure and because they don't have fun they don't live their their journey as a child as a children so i have some athletes in the past that the his father is so <laughs> how can i say that he was crazy about my my child, my son needs to be a professional with eleven years old. So the kids, the kid just ask him to stop that. I don't want this anymore. It's a lot of pressure. I don't want to play football anymore. So it's let's see, it's complicated, and we need to also educate the parents because. Not the coach is the responsible, also the parents. Flamengo, uh, I remember Flamengo, Romario, I think it was 1995, yeah. Romario. I mean, what, what a history, what a club. What are some things that a young player, characteristics that they, that they must have to, to make it at the club? Uh, to play as Flamengo, uh, our athletes has to be a special characters never give up if we are losing the game we can't give up because we need to to win the duels we need to have in position to to have our challenge to smash our opponent you know we have to be uh, our crowd wants this of our flamingo player he needs to be positive. He needs to, to win the challenge, the duels. And if we lose the game, but we never, we don't give up, we keep running all the time, we keep playing all the time, the crowd will support us. But if you win the game and we don't run out of time, you don't control the possession, all the game, the crowd will not like it. So... <laughs> Never give up, never stop running, and 
keep playing all the time, keep controlling the, the possession. And that's our special characteristic. Is there a lot of pressure with that? You know, like that's a, for a 15, 16 year old to walk into that environment, to have that expectation. Uh, how do you help that player deal with pressure? Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, not only on 15, 16 and 17, also at seven, eight, nine years old. Uh, we need to keep training then. We have our psychology, um, also the, our coaches, all the staff, we always talk to, to them that we need to keep running. We need to create an environment that uh, Flamengos uh, can be, can scare our opponent. We need to walk, we need to run like a beast. So that's how we, we speak to them, we talk to them, we create this environment. Never stop running. Uh, if you don't give up all the time, if you win the challenges, if you win the duels, uh, our rivals will be scared and our crowd will support you. You need to be ready to, to play at the pros. And we need to create this environment. And that's what we do now at the club. We just support them and tell them what they need to do to, to be at the pro. When does video analysis and tactics, you mentioned it uh, around 13, 14, 15. When do you start looking at the video with them? Yeah. Today at Flamengo's, we start at 13th. We have a, an, a team analyst at starting 14th, uh, but sometimes it starts earlier than that. Last year, uh, at 11 years old, some players, some matches, uh, the coaches use the team analysis, the opponent analysis to, to try to win the championship because we're the finals that time yeah what does that look like is that a, a scouting report is that feedback is that individual stuff or or what does it look like at that age group the youngest ones the youngest they they show some videos some standards of their opponents uh how opponents could play against them on next match uh at U15s, 16s, 17s, and U20s, we do individual analysis and we go with the athlete to, to some room, to some place, and then we show on computer or on TV that what they need to improve, which skills they need to improve. Uh, we also uh, report to staff uh, our post-match with some shoots, where these shoots happened uh, from our team and our opponent, uh, some duels, the duels that we have won and we have lost and where we lost and where we won this, these duels. And we also 
give to our staff the highlights of the match, including the what we need to improve in our model of play and what we achieve in that match, especially about what we trained last last week, our objectives, if we achieve that or not. That's that's very interesting. The the piece about the jewels is very interesting because th that's a very Irish thing to do is to look at battles, individual battles. And yeah. people, people think that, that Brazil are more worried about flair and skill and creativity, but, but it really matters, right? The battle, the physicality matters? Yeah, it really matters. Because in Flamengo, we have had great structure with... Uh, all the technologies to develop our kids so our kids is more strong than than other so even as our uh, scout department they look for uh, strong kids and then because we we can develop their techniques and their tactical uh, behaviors so if they are strong we can develop them so uh that's what i said before flamengo we need to to win the battles so they need to be <laughs> strong but until 14 when they achieve 15 years old equals so they need to be more creative have uh better tactical behaviors better knowledge of the game and then it's our job it's not only strong and strengthness, just about that co-behavior. When you're when you're defining the one v one battles, I'm fascinated by this. Is that a is that aerial fifty fifties? Is that a one v one? Is that a challenge in midfield, or is that everything, or is it something specific? Uh, includes. Uh, Battle, better duel. We don't do not consider us one v one as a battle, because we consider everything that you said one v one challenge on midfielder on the the winger against the left backs, uh, the striker against the center backs, all the, the area, all the battles, but we not include this this uh, air duels, air battles. We just believe that they have, they need to have the behavior to, when they jump, they need to win. Just their mentality. We had a lot of troubles with <laughs> the set pieces last year. We lost some some important championships because we suffered some goals <laughs> of set pieces. So because of their behaviors, we showed them how they need to to defend, where they need to to be there to to close the space, and they just turn it off during the game, and then we suffered goals, and we lost championships in set pieces because of these duels. So uh, I believe that is their mentality. They need to jump and. Be strong to, to beat their opponent. 
and and you're looking there at intensity. Uh, you mentioned their forward versus two defenders. Even that that's got to be that's got to be done a certain way. Yeah, they need to be intensity. They need to be strong to smash them. Even if they are more strong than him, he needs to to put all the the, the speed out their power to to try to beat them. Fascinating, fascinating. In terms of that, you mentioned one of the analysts working at the younger age group. How many? How many? People, do you have working with you? How many analysts in the, in the academy in the first team? Oh, great. Uh, working with me, no one. Really? Yeah. We have four analysts, four team analysts. Uh, one for the U13s and U14s. Now, one for U15s and U16s. Me working alone at U17s and we have another one working alone uh, to U20s. So we have four departments, but we don't, we help each other when we really need, but normally we, we just ourselves in our teams. Last question about the battles. You're working with uh, Felipe Luis, uh, like that that's got to be something he's pretty passionate about, right? Yeah, he's our head coach now. For, uh, he started a few weeks ago, so they are trying to to teach our athletes that how is uh, how can how to become a Flamingos uh, pro player the behaviors, how they need to improve, how they need to win the battles, how they need to mark to defend their uh, positioning, how they need to to be with their body to to run, to, to win the battle. So uh, it's an amazing experience that our athletes are learning a lot about that, about how to defend, how uh, the tactical behavior is important to to win the battles. So uh, we have a great season uh, coming to, to us to learn not only the athletes, but also our staff. We are learning a lot with him about that. Awesome. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, I have to ask you about positionalism and relationism. Uh, everyone around the world is talking about it and a lot of coaches are fascinated and we had, I sent you Alex, Alex Clapham and we've had Jamie Hamilton. We've had some great minds. Um, what does it feel like when you see that up close? Yeah, I prefer uh, the position is right. Yeah, but it's my choice, but I don't just respect that. Then who loves the, the rationalism game? Because now we are working with positionists because Felipe came with uh, Ivan, his assistant coach. He's uh, a Spanish assistant coach that were formed at Barcelona Academy. So we are trying to introduce the positionists at Flamingos U17 and it's working so good in a few weeks. 
I prefer because the position is because uh, if we have the ball, we control the game. If we don't have the ball, like reaction is, we can control. We just need to defend. If we, if we fail in one second, we can lose the game. Oh, uh, positioners also do that, but the chances is is less because I prefer control the game, create the spaces, create opportunities. Uh, I believe that is better. Is my uh, how I prefer to play, but reaction is is also good because uh, discipline. We can create discipline, we can develop discipline on players because principle uh, is the collective behavior. Sometimes in positionism game, the ego talks higher than, than all because a player with the ball, especially youngs, uh, he needs to show that He's a great player. He wants to score goals, and sometimes he doesn't. He didn't pass. He don't pass the ball, and sometimes the collective behavior uh, maybe crashing. So the difference between us, the the line, is how to introduce this even position is or reaction is how to introduce the collective behavior in the kids, the youths, and don't let the ego say higher than the collective behavior, the collective comportments. Have you seen it trickle down to like the, the Fluminense style? Have you seen that come down to younger levels to where there's more freedom in how they play or is it not there yet? Not yet. Even when we played against Fluminense at youths, they don't play like the the pros. They try, they put they overload some some side of the game, but when they close the spaces they don't they don't play anymore. They have some special mode of play, but with Fernando Diniz at the pros, they don't reproduce that on the youths. They try to overload some, some side, but we can close the space, we mark them so they don't play. Yeah, do, um, do you think that it will be recreated at the youth level in the, in the near future, or do you think it's too difficult? Uh, I believe in Brazil it's too difficult because uh, we need to win. Sometimes we don't have time to train our kids. Their journey, their seasons, uh, sometimes. Last year we had uh, almost 70 games on U14. So it's more than all the, the biggest clubs in Europe. And the staff doesn't have to time, don't have to time to, to train the kids, to develop the kids. 70, so, 70 games. 70, 70 games. A lot of championships around the world, even in Rio. 
in Brazil and around the world, almost 70 games. So sometimes the staff does not have time to, to, to train, to develop. So to create a new culture, maybe we don't have time. <laughs> I wish, but I don't see near future. Yeah. Your, your schedule of 50 or 70 odd games when you're, when you're working with a couple of teams and, and overseeing, I mean, how do you, when do you code the game? So if a game was a Saturday night, how does your weekend work and how does your time work? Yeah, sure. Uh, I had my first uh, game at night a uh, few weeks ago uh, at Sao Paulo Youth uh, Cup with the U20s. And let me tell you how it works. Uh, on the games, the games day, we, we have two meetings with the players. The first one uh, is in the morning that when we show them uh, the set pieces, how we uh, execute our set pieces and how we will defend the opponent set pieces. And then we left them with the afternoon to sleep and I keep working, producing more videos, more material to, to give to staff and also individual to some athletes, some to our defending line, to our attacking line. And a few hours before the match, we have another meeting uh, to show our act plan, how we will play to try to, to beat our opponent. So we have two meetings in this, the games day. And then we go after the second one, we go to, to the stadium to, to play. Is that with the U17 team or is that with the, the senior team? This one is with the U20s, but now I'm with the U17s. But this year we will play the national championship that we will have uh, games night at 9.30 p.m. Uh, usually, but we don't know how to... I can't tell you how it works because Felipe said they do, they, he, that he don't want, does not want to, to meet uh, these meetings with act plan. We can do this. Uh, during the week, not at the games day, not the uh, the night before the game. I believe that he didn't like it when he was a football player. When the staffs did that with him, with his colleagues, so he wants to change, and we'll try. We'll see what is best for for our athletes. Mm. Um, we had Alex, Alex Clapham talked about how intense the days were uh, when he was at Vasco. Players were training every day. They were, we were always at the club. Is Flamengo similar in terms of every single day players are in or is it more balanced? Yeah, it's similar. We train around six days per week and we have one day off. 
sometimes we do not have day offs because we, if we have uh, an English week with two two matches in a week uh, on Wednesday and on Saturday, we don't have time to to rest. We need to work. We need to recover our athletes at the club, and sometimes we we keep working for two weeks as long with that with no day offs that can be difficult you studied masters in exercise and sports science do you work with physical data as well or is it just the tactical stuff yeah sure uh, on our laboratory uh at rio de janeiro state university when I record all the sessions in video, we didn't have the the, the physical data because we did not have uh, any GPS yet. We didn't buy at that time. And then I didn't use it, but I'm planning to use and in my PhD. And I'm planning to, to start next year. I don't know where, but we will be studying game analysis, a little bit different of my master's. My master's, I studied how to develop uh, creativity in youth players since they, they are 10 years old until 20 years old. So how to develop, how the coaches need to, needs to, to behavior, the feedbacks, all the stuff, all the, the methodologies of trainments, but I didn't use it because we didn't have we didn't have uh, any equipments, any technologies to to use that time. It's it sounds like the the physical side would link to your philosophy quite closely with intensity and and obviously the volume of games as well. Do, do people not worry about uh, training loads and burnout if they're playing all that time and working at such a high intensity? All the time. <laughs> Our physiologist, all, during all the sessions, he was crazy. Oh, we need to stop. Oh, the density is so high. We need to stop. But we control everything. Uh, now the... Every athlete has a GPS. Uh, we can control uh, in live that. Uh, now our physiologist used uh, his iPad to control everything to say, oh, this player uh, achieved our, our goal for today uh, in high speed, high dice, high distance or total distance, accelerations, accelerations. So we control everything. But sometimes we need to to go up, to go high, and we just forgot our physical data from that day. But because we need to improve them, we need to to push a little bit more in that session. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. You're you're doing your study on creativity. Big, big problem in America. A lot of coaches are challenged with. I mean, you're. We look at Brazil and we think, "Poof, we have the creativity of that. But it, it's a big problem in America. And, and a lot of coaches think that the problem is, is that 
people are too worried about results. People are too worried about who wins the game. Um, do you think you can have creativity and com competitive people working alongside? Does that exist? Yeah, depends on age. Uh, early childs, I don't believe it. They can compete, but the the goal, the aim, uh, uh, can't be just win. They need to be freely. Okay, they can compete, but they are freely. We don't have any adults. We don't have any coaches. They just play one team against another with no feedbacks, with no no people uh, interviewing. So, yeah, can be, but they need to be freely. If they're the early child uh, until 11, they play one against the, the other and competing in a championship, but if they're not freely, they have tactical behaviors, they have uh, some act, act plan for the games with the coaches saying that saying what they need to do all the time i don't believe it but if we don't have it if they are freely to create to adapt the solutions and solve the problems i believe that's what science takes yeah <laughs> and i believe it um 70 games i i can't get over that number for the a year uh <laughs> And but then we're talking about the physical side as well, and intensity and, and strength training. Uh, Brazilian players, even you're saying there that you're identifying and scouting strong players. Um, the Brazilian players have always been physical, like Ronaldinho, uh, even skillful, but so strong. Is is there weights? You know, in, in the US, there's a lot of weights training. Yeah. And, do you guys do that as well? Yeah, we do. Uh, they start uh, around 12, but they don't have weights. They just need to use their uh, their body, like functional activities using their, their body weights. And then we start to improve their training loads uh, around 13, 14, using weights. At Flamingos, we spend uh, every day, the athletes goes to the gym, to the gym, to do their warm up every day. It's a, tra it's a culture of Flamingo. Mm. Uh, if we have a session on Monday, before the session at the pitch, they go, they go to the gym to warm up and then they do the they do it all the sessions in all ages mm -hmm. uh, uh, starting with 12 or 13 I don't remember certainly but it's on their age Brent our last couple for you um, we talk a lot about what what makes a great player um, but see in Brazil what what makes a great coach Whoa, this is a great question. In Brazil, we we have a, a discussion. Uh, if uh, the football players, this, the ex-football players, they defend that uh, to be a great coach, they just need to play football. 
and we have the, the academic side that says that we need to respect the science. And if you, you have your, the science in your side, you can be a great coach, but I believe that you have the theory with the science and you have the, the practice as an ex-football player. If you train at youth ages, it can complementary. Uh, I, I believe that both sides can, can improve their skills to be a great coach. Uh, so you need to know about the science, but you need to know how to apply that science in practice, in training. So I believe we need to, to have both. Very interesting. Very interesting. Who's the greatest Brazilian coach of all time? Of all time? Tele Santana. Oh, really? Yeah. That was uh, Sao Paulo, right? In Brazil? Sao Paulo. Yeah. The championship, uh, the world championship twice. Uh, all the people say that is Tele Santana is the, our best coach of all times. Mm. Someone asked me this question today and it kind of threw me off. Like, what makes a great analyst? Oh, um, great. Yeah. Great. What do you think? When I teach uh, our students at university, when I, I teach them about team analysis, I say that a great team analyst needs to know about all the areas uh, around the player. We need to know about tactical knowledge we need to do, know about uh, technical, technique of players, specific technique. We need to know about physiology. We need to know about the physical components, psychology, and uh, all the technologies, GPS, uh, biomechanics, kinesiology, and we need to uh, link all these stuff to understand better how is our individual and how is our collective behavior during the sessions and during the matches and during the post matches so that's we need to to know about we need to know about everything but respecting all the sides and especially to uh, a bonus skill uh, the great analyst needs to be a great coach also a great coach uh, it's really common that we always listen that, oh, look, the team analysts, the guys who cut the videos, who did the videos, but we not the, we are not only the guy that who cuts and edit the videos. We are also an assistant coach. We are a coach. We are there to, to improve our athletes, so we need to how to train our our athletes also. So in my career, I never, uh, I never was a team analyst before. I was a head coach, a physical trainer, and then I became analyst. So it all linked now. It's better for me because I understand of all areas around the athlete, around the club. So it helps me a lot. So. To be a great analyst, you need to know about all the areas, all the components, and know how to link that to understand the game. I love that definition. I, I love that because 
again, when people are now looking to be analysts and there's a lot of people looking to be analysts, they they think that it's just about tactics. But if you don't understand those things that you said, if you don't know how they all fit together, how if you improve one thing, something else maybe knocked off a little bit, like then you're not going to be a great analyst, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, one example is... Uh, we play against a team that, let's compare positionism and reactionism. Uh, we had a team. We have a team that use positionism game, and we are playing against a team that is reactionist. So we need to understand why our physical data are higher in total distance, in high speed, in accelerations, uh, because of their model of play our opponent's model of play. But if we play against another positionist model, our accelerations and disaccelerations will be higher because we need to move more than when we are playing against uh, reactionism. So we need to understand why this physical data showed out these, these measures and we need to say to our staff we need to have some knowledge and let's explain to him with uh, these data oh this this match we played this high distance high speed distance because their mode of play they're just playing transitions so we need to run if we lose the ball uh we need to run we need to transit but if they control more, they, they have more possession. That's why we have more accelerations, that we have more deceleration, but we do not have a lot of high-speed distance. So just an example, uh, using the physiology, the physical data, and how to link that with videos and tactical behaviors to explain to our staff, to our head coach, what happened that match, that game. Brilliant. Brilliant. Last question. Where the, what did you learn from badminton that can be any use in soccer? What helped you? <laughs> uh, discipline. Yeah. Uh, discipline, resilience. Uh, it's like uh, on tennis because it's the player against... Uh, if I play badminton, I'm a badminton player, I'm playing against myself and not playing against my opponents. Because I made a mistake, I need to be my, my mental um, uh, instability to, to don't make any mistake anymore, the same mistake. If I get angry, probably I'll have more mistakes. So in soccer, it's the same. Once the player is so stressed and he's very anxious to, to conquer our aims, our goals, but if he lose any battle, any duel, uh, if he lost the possession, if he does not can uh, show and develop their skills on the game to help the team, he can be stressful and make more mistakes on, on the match. So the resilience, uh, know how to 
to live with the, the pressure, the anxiety, and how to keep their mental strong to, to be consecrate, concentrate, to have more attention on the game, and then he can be better to, to the team. Fantastic. What a way to finish it. Kaike, thank you so much. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. I'm really honored to, to have this chat with you. Uh, I have, I wait, I hope that all the people loves it. It's a, it's a great honor to, to speak about teen analysis and youth in Brazil. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.